Hi, everybody. Welcome to another podcast by Savari. Today's episode is all about breaking free from bondage. This one I'm really excited about. This one has a lot to it. I'm going to do it in a little unorthodox way, something that I'm not exactly used to. So we'll see how it goes, but I think it'll be really good because this one's going to help us a bunch. Breaking free from bondage is going to help us fulfill the will that God has for us. And the will that God has for us is the greatest thing that we could ever imagine. It's our heart's truest desires. It's pure. It's good. It's the best thing. It's what we really, truly want. And it benefits everybody around us, especially ourselves. So the thing is, is bondage keeps us from that. So I want to talk about how we break free from that. Now, last episode, last week, episode 17 was about overcoming the enemy and overcoming the enemy and breaking free from bondage sounds similar, but they're different. Okay. They are similar. There's a subtle difference. We'll talk about that subtle difference and we'll talk about how breaking free from bondage is more of a release. And like I said, it's breaking free, how the enemy and bondage are a little bit different. And I believe that this is a lot of fruit for people because it's something that I just realized. So, and there's things in the Bible that really help us realize it and it'll be great. So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, why we're talking about this today is because this is episode 18 and the number 18 in the Bible represents, believe it or not, bondage. Okay. So that's why we're going to talk about bondage, how to break free from it. Why 18 represents bondage is what's really going to help us because now there's a reason 18 represents bondage. So once we find out why and we start to let this is the unorthodox part that I'm talking about. I did it a little bit. Okay. In episode 17, using numbers to help us. Okay. Identify certain things. Um, now again, numerology, I believe is a really great layer in the Bible. Okay. There's even a book in the Bible called numbers. So the Bible is definitely using numbers to help us with stuff. Okay. Numbers were created by God. They're awesome. They're important. I've always loved numbers and using them. A lot of people do. Okay. So let's not be afraid to use them, especially when it's very clear how they're being used. So that being said, let's talk about why 18 is the number of bondage. It is because six plus six plus six equals 18. Now I know that's easy math, but the number 666 is a big deal in the Bible. Most of us know, some of us have probably heard this, that 666 is the number of the devil. It's the number of Satan. If Satan had a jersey, 666 would be the number on it, okay? So why is 666 the number of Satan? Uh, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what each six represents. And so again, this number that equals 18 is going to tell us a little bit about why 18 is bondage. So the first six in 666 represents our flesh. So six on its own just represents our flesh. Our flesh represents demand. It represents fallen human race. Okay, so that's kind of what I'm going to say. And so I'm going to talk about this in general, but I'm going to really boil it down to us specifically what bondage is. Okay, so let's just, let's just pause for a moment. Bear with me. This will all make sense, especially near the end of the podcast. Okay, but so. Six means fallen human race. The second six in 666 is how we respond to being fallen. So 
last week I talked a little bit about a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And that's what the second six represents. It represents how we respond to being a fallen human race. And it's absolutism, total control, <clears throat> or the reaction to it, the opposite extreme, the polar opposite, the, so the southern kingdom, which is total lawlessness. Again, I describe it as northern kingdoms like the Star Wars Imperial Army and the southern kingdom is like Vegas. Okay. And now again, something I want us to remember here is none of these people that are behaving in such a way are bad people okay in the in the bible our battle is with is not with flesh and blood it's, it's with, with with the spirits wow i stumble over that a bit but our battle is with the spirits of darkness so there's a spirit of total absolutism and there's a spirit of lawlessness so i'm not even talking about the people that are living under these things although it will become a problem here in the third six okay so what the third six is knowing that God is real and that God is good and making him your enemy. Okay. That is the third six and six, six, six. It is the total, all these sixes. Okay. Right. Go together. So <clears throat> the last six basically represents the persecution of believers because, and this has happened in, in multiple points in history. It always happens and it will happen again, unfortunately, but believers, true believers will be persecuted by those that do not believe. It's just simply how history has worked. It's how it goes. And I'm not going to get into that in this podcast, but eventually if you live in the second six long enough, okay, it'll become apparent that the third six has to be reality. Okay. So six, 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 all encompassing all together represents fallen human race acting in total lawlessness or absolutisms, persecuting believers. Okay, so all of the, so the sixes added together or the sixes multiplied by three is going to give us 18, which is bondage. So what bondage looks like to us as individuals, okay, not as a nation, I could get into that. But again, I'm going to keep this as an individual because my goal on this podcast is to keep us fulfilling the will that God has for us. This is encouragement. This is uplifting. So what we as individuals feel as bondage is this 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 control, this chaos over our hearts that keep us from fulfilling the will that God has for us. Okay. There's this, we have these true hearts desires. I keep saying we have these true hearts desires, but there's this bondage that's been placed over us that keeps us from fulfilling the will. And so what I'm going to talk about is how we break free from that bondage, how we get that, those chains off our heart and our truest hearts desires come out. Okay. Because when we keep that bondage over us, we respond, or I should say, we react in two ways. When we have a bondage over our heart, we react in two ways. And that's in religious imperialism, total absolutism, or the opposite, which is total lawlessness. So you could be a person that's, you know, don't drink, don't, don't, uh, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Or you could be a person that is like, do this, do that. Absolutely. Who cares? There's no rules. Be whoever you want to be, right? Men or women. Woo, yay. So all this stuff, okay, is very apparent in our society. And it's because people that aren't believers don't know how to respond over the bondage that's over their heart. Okay. And that's where all this chaos and craziness is coming from. It's coming from people that don't know how to break free from the bondage over their heart. So a lot of people like to make it look good. 
right? Everybody tries to make it look good. Oh, just be happy, be, be whoever you want. But in reality, it's really sad and it's really lawless and it's chaotic. And then other people are like, oh, you can't do this. This is wrong. Don't ever cross this line. And it may seem like there's some moral value, but really all it is is religious demand. Okay. So there's only one way and we're going to talk about that way. And it's the best way. It's the thing that's really, like I said, broken me free from bondage. And it's the thing that's really turned my life around and made it make the most sense for me. And I believe it will do the same for you. But before we get into all that, we're going to have to iron some things out. We're going to have to talk about you know, what, what bondage looks like, where it came from, why it had to come. And again, the way out of it, the way to break free so we can fulfill the will that God has for us, our heart's deepest, truest desires. So. Without further ado, we'll talk about 18. Okay, so again, this 18 is six times three. All right, and the number three is peace, which is great. The number three is the Trinity. The Trinity is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So we'll get into that a little bit because when we multiply the flesh by the opposite of three, Okay, which would be the religious spirit, which would be the flesh, which would be, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it other than it's more so just the opposite of the Trinity. Okay, the opposite of the father is self motivation. Okay, when we don't have a father guiding us, we do everything on our own. We're independent, but not really. We're more so just selfish. Okay. The opposite of Jesus, which is grace, would be demand. So we're self-motivated and demanding. And then the opposite of the Holy Spirit, which is listening to your heart, would be listening to your mind or your flesh, okay? Which is, and your mind is full, your own, your own knowledge, okay? The knowledge of good and evil. So those three, if you multiply it by the fallen human race, you're going to get bondage. So again, I'm not going to get into all of those things in this podcast, but I want you to know that this is where it all comes from. And there's a reason these numbers mean something. So bondage is basically self-motivated, religious imperialism, lawlessness. It's demand. It's feeling like you have to do stuff in order to find favor with God. It's feeling like you have to. And, and, And for other people that have tried the God route, the reaction is, well, screw that. I don't know. Just be whoever you want to be. Go do whatever you want to do. Um, even if God's real, he's not good. Okay. So there is, like I said, I keep using these comparisons, but again, at the end of the day, there is this bondage between the Northern kingdom, and the Southern kingdom, and we're all tempted by it. Okay. Me personally, I was more on the Northern kingdom side. And since I couldn't really satisfy the standards of the Northern kingdom, my reaction to that would go to the polar, polar opposite, which would be the Southern kingdom, which was lawlessness. So I party, I drink, I do stuff that made me in the moments feel better about my inadequacies, my insecurities. Okay. But it just drives you deeper into depression, oppression, whatever it is. It just makes you feel more self-conscious about the fact that I wasn't good enough to do whatever it is. And obviously it came from my dad because my dad had the appearance that he was good enough. And it's just strange. It's very weird. So a lot of people are in this trap, especially people in my age group. Okay. Cause we we grow up thinking, you know, we want to be this 
idea perfect, but it's very hard. And this, and if you're real with yourself, the standard always keeps being reset higher and higher. And it's impossible to achieve. So then lawlessness becomes the answer. So well, temporary answer, the, the, mo the most realistic answer. Okay. But again, like I said, there's a better way, a much better way. And we're going to get into that. Okay. So all I'm saying is 18, what bondage looks like for us is just this trap that keeps us from fulfilling the will that God loves for us. Okay. A lot of the times, most people are trying to be good and then they're not good enough. So then we react, we overreact. So another personal example for me, is I never feel like I'm a man enough, okay? So this is where it gets interested. Uh, there'll be a million moments every day where I'm tempted to, quote unquote, be a man. And what that seems like in today's culture, at least the way I grew up is, you're always standing up tall and you're always standing up for what's right and you do whatever it takes to get the job done, blah, blah, blah. And all that's good, high and mighty, but it's, it's unrealistic every day of every moment of your life. And so what happens is something will come up very small and I won't do it like a quote unquote man would. And then I'll start to feel emasculated and I won't feel manly enough. And then, so what I do is the next opportunity that comes about to quote unquote, be a man, I overcorrect. Okay. And I, and I do something really stupid in order to feel more like a man. And this looks like every day of my life. And I know a lot of men, especially that are my friends or in family that grew up in the same environment and culture that I did, know exactly what I'm talking about. We may not know, though, that we overcorrect dramatically when we feel inadequate. So again, we're on this spectrum of polar opposites where the northern kingdom's this way, the southern kingdom's this way. And a lot of times we're in between these two things subconsciously trying to overcorrect how we feel and how we feel is usually a lie okay to make us do something really dumb so that's where insecurities come from that's where jealousy comes from that's where stupidity comes from that's where all this garbage comes from comes from us not feeling good enough because of many different reasons go on instagram once you look at everybody's life and how great it is and how great yours not so then you feel inadequate. So then you have to overcompensate for that inadequacy. So you buy a really big truck, right? Okay. Everybody knows that to some extent. So what I'm saying is there's a way out of that. Okay. I just want us to be, to understand what this bondage looks like. Okay. It looks like that and it, and it takes on many forms and it's unique to, in a, to a degree, to an extent to you. But I know for a fact that we all fall on the spectrum somewhere uh, and mostly we're on a certain certain path uh, and we overcorrect that path depending on the day, okay? So that's what it looks like for just about everyone that's listening or watching this podcast and myself included, okay? And, and again, for, for any of the men that are listening, that is a very big one, right? Oh, I'm not being man enough, so I got to overcorrect in some way, okay? That's, that is this weird thing, okay? Like, I go, I got to have a, the hottest girlfriend, Okay, that's like a really very common one for a man with insecurities. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a really good girlfriend or whatever, but there is when you're overcompensating for your insecurities. Absolutely. So this bondage is stopping us from fulfilling the will that God has for us. This bondage is stopping us from our heart's truest desires. 
Okay. So now I want to talk about how we got this bondage and how we break free from it. So how we got this bondage starts with the fallen human race. That is the first six and six, six, six. Okay. It started with Adam and Eve. Now, something we need to understand is the perspective of God. I talked about this a few podcasts ago, but it's really important for us to be able to take on the perspective of God to truly understand what he was doing. The perspective of God as a really great God, who he truly is. So Adam and Eve had a covenant, the first covenant with God. And the covenant very simply was this. You can live in paradise as long as you don't eat from one tree. This tree was the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I could talk about for the rest of my life how the curse of the knowledge of good and evil sucks and how it is affecting us very apparently today. But if you if you just look at everything that's going on wrong today, you can dig deep down into the problem and the, the root of the problem will be the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, if we didn't have the knowledge of good and evil, there would be seriously no problems in this world. Now, that is something for a different podcast, but that's what we were cursed with when we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We became godlike with knowledge, but we did not become godlike with wisdom. So we have we were cursed with knowledge. We have all this knowledge and nothing to do with it. So a very, very easy example would be we have our cell phones infinite amounts of knowledge on our cell phone but we do not know what to do with it we think we do but we don't and every problem that's ever happened in this world has been from the fallen human race not knowing what to do with all of this knowledge okay so the curse the reason god kicked us out of eden is because he had to Okay, because of the result of what we did. Now, he didn't do it again. Remember that God is a great God. And this says this in Genesis. I'd encourage you to read Genesis 3 to see how the curses fell on us. They were different for men and they were different for a woman. And it's extremely relevant today. It just goes to show how credible the Bible is. It was written over 5,000 years ago. And the curse for the women is exactly the same today. And the curse for the men is exactly the same today. That's but there's a there's a way out now. Okay, and God says this right away in Genesis. He's like, I, I have a way for this mistake. Now, again, he says that why would a great God, okay, do this? Can't he just fix it? And he does. Okay, the best thing that he could do for us in that moment when Adam and Eve fell was to put this new covenant onto us. Now, this covenant is seen as a quote-unquote curse because it is because of what they had to give up, all right? It's like you're on the A team and God put you down to the B team, okay, because you weren't playing very well and because you basically slapped the coach in the face. So, the coach is like, "Listen, I still love you, but this is what I have to do." Now, you'd see that as a curse. And it and it and it was, but it was the best thing that he could do for you. And he said, there's still a way that you can make it to the A team. It's just going to come through my son, which is going to happen on a time. But this curse is going to have ramifications up until then. So the thing is, is God didn't remove the curse. He just built a way through the curse for believers. Okay. And so this is basically what the Bible is all about. The fall of Adam and Eve and God giving us a way through the curse that's still on this earth because of the fallen human race 
that refuses to believe in the way that's out of this fallen uh, mistake. So again, what I want to reiterate is in Genesis, God had to send us to the B team, okay, because of what we did. And he gave us a way back onto the A team. And that way, okay, is obviously through Jesus, what he did at the cross, okay, but I'm going to make that more specific, especially uh, to our hearts in a way that's really going to allow us to really, really know what we're doing, okay, through Jesus. All right, so there, that's where bondage came from. And it manifests itself in many different ways, uh, but there's two different ways for men and women. Now, so let's just fast forward a little bit here, okay? Adam and Eve, they fell. So Jesus, boom, kicked us down to the B team. He said that because they know everything, because they have the knowledge of good and evil, they can eat from the tree of life and live forever. He didn't want us to live forever as fallen human race, which is very interesting because basically everything we try to do as a human race is to live forever. So God, in his infinite wisdom, didn't want us to live forever as a fallen human race. That's why he gave us Jesus. So if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you are now resurrected as um, the inverse of fallen, as a risen human race, as a resurrected person. And that is something that he does want to take to heaven. That is something that will get you back on the A team. Okay, because... If he were to allow us, like Adam and Eve, to be, again, be fallen and live forever, it caused some serious problems. So I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I hope you guys understand at the very end of the day, it, it was a curse, but a curse in the sense that it had to happen. And at the time, with everything that was going on, it wasn't like, I hate you, screw you guys, this is what you deserve. It's more like, this is what has to happen, I have a plan, don't worry about it. I mean, in that sense, okay? So. Moving forward, how does this, how does, how, what is the way through this curse? Okay, well, again, that number 18 represents bondage. And then there is a book in the Bible, Luke, who is the only gospel account to mention the number 18. And he mentions it three times, which is the number of peace. And there's a story specifically in Luke, and it's only in Luke, which tells us how to break free from bondage. So it's important for us to understand the story. And it's a very short story. It's a great story. And it'll really show us Jesus's heart for us, God's heart for us, and how to reverse this curse, basically. So the story is, is in Luke 13, and it's about a woman who was bent over double for 18 years. Okay, so there's a woman who is sick, bent over double for 18 years and Jesus calls her out. So this is something and calls her out in a good way. He says, you're healed. Okay. So, but before we get into the deeper details of the story, it's something I think <clears throat> we should understand is God healed everybody. Jesus healed everybody all the time. It seems like, I, I think all the time. Okay. John writes that there's so many miracles that they couldn't write them all. There's, there wasn't enough to write on for all the miracles that Jesus did. So the ones that they do write about, there's meanings to them. And especially in Luke, when this is the only one written in Luke, when he mentions the number 18. So this miracle actually happened. Most people think that this woman had scoliosis and there's no cure for that still to this day. And so 
this actually happened. But again, the fact that it's written in Luke is unique to us. And we have this understanding that Jesus resurrected. So there's deeper meanings to these healings. It actually happened the way it happened, the way it was written. And yes, there is numerology to these healings. There is a, more layers to it. There's a more, there's a, a way that we can dig deeper into it with what God presents to us in these stories. Okay. But the thing we shouldn't forget is this actually happened very simplistically the way that it happened. Now, with that being said, there's no insignificant details in the Bible. The fact that this was a woman is, is talking about Eve. It's talking about, because Eve was the one that ate from the apple. She was the one that fell to the temptation first. So God is reversing the curse first with women. He, and, and in this culture and in this day, women were seen as inferior, as they often are in these days. That, that is a part of the curse. A part of the curse was that women would always be controlled by men. Now, we don't live that way anymore as believers. But I think it's clearly apparent for unbelievers that that is how this world operates. I mean, a man won woman of the year. How pathetic is that? So, and that's the, comes from that lawlessness. Anyway, all I'm saying is Jesus and believers, we see it differently. And Jesus made this point of emphasis that he was reversing the curse for women, especially in this, in this story. Okay. And so he calls her out. She was just walking by and Jesus says, woman, you're healed of this sickness. So Jesus is always calling out to us. Okay. Where we, for us, and, and unbelievers and believers, okay, he's always calling out to us. He's always, always, always asking us to be healed. He's always trying to heal us. He always wants us to be free from our sickness as a nation and as an individual. So she was bent over double. Now, double is a big deal. I don't fully understand the double. I just know that in this covenant with Jesus, double is everywhere, okay? Double is everywhere. It means that in this grace covenant, we receive double. And I'm not sure what the double is. I mean, other than supply and love, but how that supply comes and at what time, I, I don't know. I don't fully understand all that. I just know that double portion of healing, double portion of blessings, double portion of this something in this new covenant is always being offered to us. So this woman that was bent over double was healed by Jesus just saying, you are healed every sickness. And he, and he said that she was and the, the story, the narrator says that she was bound by an evil spirit. So again, these bondages are coming from these spirits of darkness. This is Northern kingdom spirit of darkness and the Southern kingdom spirit of darkness. Boom. He heals her right away. Now, the thing that's interesting, okay, is there was what the Bible calls a Pharisee, a religious leader who gets pissed off that Jesus healed this woman because he healed her on the Sabbath. Now, if you read the Bible and the gospels, you'll notice that Jesus is always healing on the, on the Sabbath for a reason. And he always refers to an, well, not always, but just about every time he refers to an ox when the religious leaders get angry about him for healing on the Sabbath. Now, this is where it gets really fun. And please don't, if you're still listening, thank you. I don't want to lose you here. I just want you guys to understand how intricate the Bible is. Okay, this story was the only story written in the Gospels in Luke. Okay, so Luke represents an ox. An ox is representative of defeating false preaching. So if, you, if you're a believer and you're afraid you're listening to false teaching or false preaching or whatever you feel. Anyway, all I'm saying is this, an ox is 
the thing that represents the animal to beat false teaching. And so what beats false teaching is service. Okay. An ox represents service. It carries a very heavy load. It carries the yoke. It, it molds, it grains or whatever it carries, whatever farm equipment that you have very strong. Okay. So serving is what you would look for if you were trying to find out if a pastor was real or not true or false. So what service is, okay, I would encourage you to read about Stephen. Um, he is basically the epitome uh, after Jesus of what serving is. So Luke, his gospel is all about um, overcoming false preaching through service. So that's what you can, that's the, his main emphasis. So Jesus, okay, the way he's beating false preaching is by healing on a day where it's required to rest. And so this, this Pharisee, he says, you're, you can't heal on a Sunday. You can't heal on a Sabbath. You're supposed to rest. And Jesus says, do you not untie rocks to go let him eat on a Sunday and drink water? And he goes, you hypocrite. How much more do I care for my children, a daughter of Abraham? Should I not, should I not feed her basically is what he's saying. Can I not do that because it's a Sabbath? And so basically what he's saying is the Northern kingdom sucks. Okay, it's hypocr it's hypocritical, and I'm gonna do what's what what God's will is in the sense that out of love. Now this is where this is the way out. Okay, I'm not gonna say it yet because there's still some other things I want to talk about, but I'm gonna come back to this story and tell you the way out of bondage. Okay, what Jesus was doing. Okay, Jesus fulfilled the law so that we didn't have to live by the law. Okay, so that we can heal people on the Sabbath, so that we can rest all the time, not just on one day, we can rest all the time in the sense of his perfect work and that will release us from bondage and he'll supply us grace through his perfect work. So, okay, that's the story. I'm going to leave that there for now. Okay. But I'm going to come back to it. and I'm going to talk about what it was that Jesus really did in that moment. Okay. So let's talk about the other kingdom. Okay. Cause in this Luke 13 story, <clears throat> false kingdom in this Luke 13 story, Jesus is making it apparent, and he does all over in the Bible, I'm just using this one, that the northern kingdom is hypocritical, okay? Now, so is the southern kingdom, all right? But what do we do, what are we realizing in Luke 13? We're realizing that we have freedom of choice. As, as believers, we have ultimate freedom of choice in the sense that we can do whatever it is that we want, okay? Because again, that the law Okay, this covenant that was made with Moses, because at the time it was the best thing for them. Okay, I'm not talking about Adam and Eve anymore. I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. Okay, uh, God made a covenant with Moses, again, for the fallen human race. Again, before Jesus, he's reminding them of, of the eternal covenant, which is with Jesus. And he's just saying this is a foreshadow of what, of what it's like to be self-motivated to be in your own self-interest now again there's nothing wrong with the law but there is something wrong with the law when it comes to our fallen nature so the law and our fallen nature combined is death okay and that's basically what it's from the from the mosaic covenant to the new testament till jesus resurrected you see a lot of death a lot of unfortunate things happening because they were living a self-motivated lifestyle they were living in this northern and southern kingdom type stuff and it was hard for them to earn god's favor 
and earn his grace, his supply, and his love. Because in that covenant, that's what it was all about. So <clears throat> Jesus fulfilled that covenant. He earned all of God's love and favor through the Mosaic covenant and gave us a new one after that. So this new covenant says we are totally free. We don't have to not steal. We don't have to not commit adultery. We don't have to not do all these things in order to not get smited or get cursed or to fall under this curse. Okay. We can live freely without God's judgment within this new covenant. Now that scares a lot of people because, and this is, and I don't want to get too weird. Okay. But this is a thing that scares people. It really is. Freedom is what scares people. Freedom scares people. Knowing that you have power in the choices that you make scare people. The, the fact that, and I don't know, again, I don't want to go too, too off on a tangent, but the reason people love rules and love nine to five jobs, is, and this isn't everybody, but to some extent, it's because they need that structure to feel safe. People hate unlimited space. People hate unlimited freedom because it scares them because they're afraid that they'll become a monster in this Southern kingdom, this lawless, this lawless thing. And then, then they'll be smited for it later. Okay. That is where you get a lot of the Northern kingdom religious demanding type people is the people that are afraid of free choice. So, and I'm not talking about the world's free choice. I'm talking about the free choice to, to move within God's will. So, so now I'm transitioning a bit into the Southern kingdom where how do we stay out of this lawless nature? Okay. Because we do have free choice. We can, if we so choose to live in this lawless nature. Okay. Cause we know we don't have to live in this total absolutism nature. <clears throat> so, and some people do choose to live, live in this lawless nature way. Now it's clear in Galatians five that living in this lawlessness will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. But before this was said in Galatians 5 by Paul, there's a, there's a certain thing in there, a certain uh, scripture that really brings home the point of who Jesus is. And now, and this is what it is. Okay, so without further ado, how do we break free from bondage? It's asking ourselves, is this faith expressing itself in love? That's right there in Galatians 5, 6. Okay. With this total freedom of choice, is this faith expressing itself in love? So when you are presented with an opportunity to live lawlessly or in absolutism, in chaos or in total control, okay? And again, those degrees vary in the moments that we are living. But if you just simply ask yourself this, is this faith expressing itself in love? And your heart tells you yes or no, follow that. Okay, whether it's yes or no. All right, because and then and stay there until you're moved differently. Okay, because in this new covenant, things are very, things are black and white. It's very black and white in the sense that is it love? So there used to be that phrase, what would Jesus do? Well, that is another way of asking, is this something Jesus would do? Because there, there's so many with our fallen nature, there's so, there's so much gray area especially in the old covenant with what we can and cannot do. And people try to like, people are like, Oh, is this a sin? Or is this a sin? Or is this a sin? Like, no, 
that's not the question. The question is, is this faith expressing itself in love? And that answers every part of this demand cycle in every layer. So if you're at a job interview and you're offered or you're offered a promotion or you're, you're at some point in your career, you're doing something with your kids, they want you to coach or they, whatever, it literally applies to every situation ever from small to large, whether you should invest money, whether you should not. I mean, it doesn't, I don't know. I, but the examples vary forever, but there's one answer and is, is this faith expressing itself in love? So again, what is faith? Faith is trust. Okay. What is love? Love is everything that is good. Love, the definition of love is basically what Jesus did at the cross. He, so look at what Jesus did at the cross. He was crucified for his beliefs and he did nothing wrong other than heal people, uh, which obviously isn't anything wrong. He, he literally did nothing wrong. He did everything right in the sense that he was expressing his faith and love. So when he healed that woman on a day, he wasn't supposed to heal her. What was he doing? He was expressing his faith and love. So that's why I'm saying when somebody's like, and so, so like, so that's, that's basically it. Okay. That's what Jesus did. And everything that Jesus was doing, he's expressing faith and love. Okay. So when he was on that cross and people were making fun of him, his own people, his own family, in a, in a sense, bloodline, okay. His people were making fun of him for everything. And what did he do? He said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Okay. He was forgiving people. Okay. And I could go on forever about how we don't actually forgive. We just do things that's, that's convenient. Okay. A lot of people don't forgive. They think they're forgiving, but in reality, all you're really doing is what's convenient for you and what you, you, if it was acceptable in your terms. Okay. So Again, a lot of girlfriends forgive their boyfriends because they don't want to find a new boyfriend. Okay, that's not forgiveness. Okay, so I'm just saying that's one example. That example flies off the radar and applies basically to just about everyone. So all I'm saying is not a lot of people are actually forgiving. Okay, Jesus gave us the example of forgiveness. Okay, that was not convenient for him okay, <laughs> at all. So that took a lot of faith and love. And so what I'm saying is this. You have to ask yourself, is this faith expressing itself in love? If it is, do it. If it's not, do not do it. That is what has released me from all this bondage. Okay. This anytime I'm tempted to do anything, I have to ask myself, is this faith expressing itself in love? If it is, then I'm totally cool with it. If it's not, then, then I'm not going to do it. And even if I do do it, I know that God is faithful to my unfaithfulness. God is gracious and he's going to supply me. And he still loves me unconditionally. So that doesn't. So when I do make a mistake, I know the next time I don't have to overcorrect and I don't have to stay in my sin. Okay. That is another podcast or another time. Okay. That's called falling from grace when we are, are stubborn and we refuse to allow God's goodness to allow us to not overcorrect from our mistakes. So this is the key to breaking free from bondage is, is this faith expressing itself in love? Okay. Because there's going to come a time where some religious person says you can't do that, or you're doing it by the, you know, spiritual darkness, blah, blah, blah. And you're just going to say, no. Okay. I've heard of your types. I've seen your types, this, this, and that. 
this is faith expressing itself in love. Okay. And so and there's going to come a point where some lawless people are going to tempt you to do this, where they want you to do that and, and this and that. And some, and you know, it may appear to be good at the time, but I can promise you that type of lifestyle is, is very, very empty. Um, I mean, there's loads of examples for that. I'm not going to get into it. Okay. But again, just ask yourself, is this faith expressing itself in love? The answer would surprise you sometimes. Okay. A lot of times it takes a lot of faith for us to do what is actually faith expressing itself in love. And that's what bothers religious people because religious people like that rigidness. They like, like, like I said, that uniformity where they know what to expect. Okay. Because they hate failure and they love man's opinion. So again, lawlessness is the overcorrection of that, but it's the same thing. They love man's opinion and they give off the appearance that they don't care and all this good stuff. But in reality, they do. Um, but I will say this. Jesus was a lot more gracious to the southern kingdom and the lawlessness than he was the imperialistic religious demand. Okay. He was very, very, very shrewd with not. Yeah. He was very wise, um, but he was very... I don't want to say shrewd. He was very straightforward, I guess would be the best answer with a lot of these Northern Kingdom type people. Okay. With Southern Kingdom type people, he was always uplifting. He was always telling them because their, their problems were different with these Southern Kingdom people. He was always bringing them up, uplifting them, telling them, you know, that this isn't, this isn't the way, this isn't something that is fulfilling what it is that you actually want. Now with religious people, he's, bringing them down he was always telling them that hey this isn't the way but in a much different way so uh and he often used service okay like i said that ox to express his faith and love to these religious types of people these northern type people okay so that is basically episode 18 i'm trying to see if i missed anything i don't think so all right so Guys, I hope, again, we all have this little weird chains, bondage, however you want to visualize it over our heart, even as believers, okay? We're, we're removing chains a little bit at a time, okay? I think it's extremely important for us to know what faith is, what love is, and to express faith in love, to get through this bondage, to break through this crap. The more you do it, baby steps, okay? It's all about baby steps. Um, that's the thing I didn't understand either as a as a believer, it really is baby steps. It's little by little. God is very patient with us. We're going to fail. We're going to mess up. We're going to do things. Okay. We're going to go crazy in the Northern kingdom side of things. We're going to go crazy on the Southern kingdom side of things, but God is always bringing us back. He's always, always, always calling out to us and he's always expressing love to us. All right. And so once we understand that, once we repent towards that, once we renew our minds, how good God is all the time, we can express faith and love subconsciously. Uh, it just happens. It's, it's more apparent the more we read. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. I was, you know, get, never get tired of saying that. Hear good things, read good things. All these good things are things that talk about how good Jesus is, how Jesus is always working through you. Okay. That'll probably be my next podcast about how God is good. Okay. And I know that seems like something that is very simplistic and it is, but I'm going to get into the fact that basically 
And then this is what gets really good. Basically, God is the one that does good works through us. So it's not even us that does good works. Now, the flip side of that is, and this is for believers, is it's not even us who sin. Okay. When we do bad things, it's not even us. Okay. We're really a third party. Okay. There's God who does good through us. And then there is our fallen nature that does bad, but we're not defined by our fallen nature. It's just kind of like an outer body experience. Okay. We're a third party that's just kind of renting this body and this body is an instrument. And the more we allow this instrument to do good, that's God through us. And the more we close that off, Okay. And then our flesh is doing these bad things, but at the same time, it ain't us as believers. Okay. So I'm going to get into that next week about how we're not even the ones that are sinning through our body as believers. Okay. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate you guys listening. Be bold, be blessed. Ask yourself, is this faith expressing itself in love? It is go for it. Okay. It'll fulfill the will, your heart's truest desires, your deepest, deepest dreams, the things that God created you to do, and only you can do it. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Love you guys.